Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It is Monday, July the 12th. The day that Italy won Euro 2020. I'm David Scott, uh, host here of the uh, the COB, and I'm joined by Cara Ordway, English yes, and disappointed. I know. I was up very early. Look, good job, Italy. They played well. I'm pleased for the Italians, especially after the, the years that they've had during this pandemic. But look, it was disappointing looking at the scenes, especially in London, in my hometown. Um, yeah, it's the way things go. As uh, having in-laws that are Italian, uh, I'm quite happy that uh, <laughs> on Italy. Uh, congratulations <laughs> on a great victory there. But uh, I think sport was the winner on the day. Let's go with a queasy line there. But look, uh, disappointing for the English fans, but not a disappointing day when it came to the performance of the local share market today, Cara. Like we saw on, uh, on Friday evening, lots of big gains coming through, record closes. For, the, uh, for all three of the main uh, indices there in the United States. And Wooshka up we went again today, despite what's going on here in New South Wales with this COVID pandemic. Yeah, when you look at the board, it's pretty green out there, isn't it? The material space leading that way. BHP finishing up over 3.75% on the day. FMG also up nearly 3.5%. The financial is doing well as well. Real estate, it's hard to pick some red out there. Yeah, it's uh, we're all back in the reflation trade. Like for, for it was a, over last a week, long, wasn't a long, it? A long period of time, I reckon there was getting the standing <laughs> count. I was like, no, it's like, no, this thing is dead and buried. Then all of a sudden, like come Friday, I remember like putting a tweet out and I said, oh yeah, the, there seems to be a bottoming in the uh, the yields here in Australia and the United States seems to be responding well to it. Then Wooshka, like you know, we saw yeah. that uh, the PBOC uh, went and cut the, uh, the reserve requirement ratio by 50 basis points across the board as well, which I think a lot of people were a bit surprised back. They were only expecting it would be for smaller lenders to go and target that SME business. And uh, all of a sudden, the reflation trade's back up and running. It's back up. But of course, we do have inflation data out this week, don't we, from the US. So is that going to cause some movement, some volatility, do you reckon? I reckon there's look through it all. It's it's summer in the States, it's reopening, people have got things in minds elsewhere. So I'm not sure. Like, uh, we know it's going to be pretty hot. Uh, but... Uh, the markets have been able to look through it all this time. I think it would really get uh, a bit tedious and the market might get a bit nervous if you see that core readings continue to go and keep bumping higher and showing that real strength coming through. But uh, markets have gone and climbed the wall of worry continuously over the past sort of 16 months or so. I'm not surprised that uh, no, it would go and up end this, uh, this rally because it just seems so strong. Any dip, no matter how small it is, as we saw last Thursday, is being bought. Yeah, well, that inflation data out late Tuesday, our time. Of course, we do have NAB Business Confidence out tomorrow, our end as well. Uh, other than that, we've got inflation in the UK. I'm guessing there's been some spending over the past 24 hours. I think it was something like $3 billion pumped into the economy with yeah. all, the, all of the pubs booked out. So definitely 
that that's one to watch as well. Yeah, a few quid being spent on a few pints or, or so <laughs> pots and pints maybe. But yeah, certainly uh, there's uh, lots of people were having lots of fun, particularly around that uh, semi-final victory, which uh, was the thing to go and celebrate on that time. But one consequence we have of this market, which is you know, continuing to go and bump up either at record highs or very close to it, is valuations now. Of course, I know the trend is your friend and you don't want to try and go and, uh, and, and bet against it. But uh, at the moment, uh, trying to go and find relative value compared to you know, traditional metrics is becoming increasingly difficult. It was a bit of a thematic we had with our guests in the program today. So we had Nathan Somersundrum from Deep Data Analytics, Twitter guru, I've got to say as well. He's, he's taking it to like a duck to water. <laughs> uh, he uh, was on the program earlier today uh, talking to Andrew, I think it was, about buying opportunities uh, that are out there at the moment. So, so he's got to name three sectors worthwhile having a look at the moment, uh, given what we're looking at with valuations. In a similar vein, uh, Morningstar's Gareth James was also on the program. And uh, he says it's like trying to find a needle in a haystack, find that, uh, that valuable, uh, you know, value stocks that are overvalued market at this point in time. Because it is like, no, difficult. We know yes. that money's free. We know that it's gone and changed uh, investor behavior. But at the same time, I think that little person in the back of people's heads is like, well, how long is this going to last for? And that's that yeah. kind of that battle that's going on. Yeah, I tell you what's not difficult to find at the moment is M&A activity. There is so much out there at the moment. West Farmers making a bid for Australian pharmaceutical industries. We had Ron Shamgar on this afternoon chatting about that offer. He reckons they could come back with an even higher bid or even get a competitor in the market when it comes to comes to that one yeah it just seems to be ongoing m a monday takeover tuesday so i wonder what tomorrow will bring but certainly it's been one of those times at the moment hasn't where every single day you seem to wake up and there's a new deal being announced uh look uh, we'll see whether they get over the line but uh and whether there's competing bids but uh it does make for an exciting market so we'll take it every day of the week uh Look, uh, let's go and get to our stocks of the day. We're, at the moment, we're running a series, the life-changing stocks of the day. So Koshi was, uh, was in the chair today, and uh, he was joined by Robert Corlett from Macro Capital and uh, David Novak from Wealthwise uh, to go and discuss uh, what uh, is the life-changing stocks that uh, they're looking at at the moment. So here, let's take a listen to what they nominated. Yeah, so I think Atomos is uh, the name that people should be looking at to add in their portfolio. Obviously, it's... Um, high risk, high reward, but uh, uh, they've got this uh, agreement with Apple to be one of only two distributors globally for their new codec, which is um, ProRes RAW. It, it takes large uh, video files and compresses them. Um, you know, they've got kind of incredible growth numbers. Uh, we're talking about uh, revenue up 275% on the second half of last year. Now, obviously that was uh, heavily affected by COVID, but therein I think mm -hmm. lies the opportunity. Look, obviously it's, it's a bit heady uh, after yesterday's results. Um, so I'd probably look to, to pick it up on a pullback if uh, I hadn't already held it in the portfolio. Yeah. Um, the one that I like is BCI Minerals. Uh, what I'm excited about about this company is their salt, their Marty Salt project, and the potash, high quality potash project as well, which will feed into Asia. So it's fertilizer for high quality fruits and vegetables, and there's a there's a demand for their there'll be a high demand for their premium quality salt, and the temperature up there is perfect for this um, operation and what I'm looking for. So I think definitely. Not just life changing for the next five years, but for the next 10, 15, 20 and beyond. Yeah. 
So Atomus and BCI Minerals are two nominations there. David Novak uh, saying that it uh, could be uh, one of those companies for the, you know, to buy for your grandchildren. So multi-generational uh, investment. Well, there we go. There's an option there for you to go and take a look at. Uh, look, uh, the market today finished up over 1% for the other uh, Sharks 100. And just a shout out to our partner who sponsors the uh, market close, uh, market.com. Uh, for your support, we appreciate it. Uh, one of the factors which is making this uh, this market run high is central bank policy. Now we saw on Friday the People's Bank of China when it moved in and cut the uh, the amount of cash that uh, the Chinese lenders had to go and hold on their books to go and free up some liquidity to go and pump back into the uh, to the economy, particularly to go and help with refinancing operations, which is going to be oodles of coming up over the next couple of months. But we have a, a pretty major event you know, in our neck of the woods as well this week, the RBNZ. Now, out of all the central banks out there around the world, it's coming across as being perhaps the most hawkish, or if not uh, the most hawkish, one of the most. And uh, it's really interesting. So Annette uh, sat down and wrote her view today about the RBNZ and you know, what to go and, and interpret from the RBNZ's actions, whatever they may be, and apply it to the Australian market. So I'll let, uh, I won't go and spoil what she's wrote, but what's, what's your view when it comes to like, trying to go engage what the RBNZ might do and then relate it back to what the RBA may do? Look, it's difficult because I think they're in different situations. I mean, for me as an FX trader, that's what we look at. It's FX 101, right? The divergence mm. between central banks. But their economy is, is in a different situation to ours. And if you talk to the FX traders, they're calling the Aussie Kiwi cross lower. So does that give you some indication as to how they think that divergence might play out over the next three years? Yeah, potentially. It's uh, certainly uh, at this stage much better handling of the uh, the virus when it comes to uh, New Zealand at this stage. Of course, things can change very quickly as we've found out, unfortunately, here in Sydney. But uh, yeah, uh, the fabled uh, no, uh, parity trade for the Aussie Kiwi. Uh, it did briefly go in for below parity, uh, the Kiwi against the Aussie. I think it was, uh, was last year or, or one of the last couple of years. And that was one of those uh, milestone events because for so long it got so close to doing it, but never quite got there. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting from an FX perspective. It's interesting from like also a bit of a policy experiment perspective because the RBNZ has got obviously other mandates it's got to look after, including the housing market, which of course we know is going gangbusters, much like here, but it's actually a remit that they have to go and take a look at. And uh, I just wonder, so if they do start to go and, uh, and tighten policy uh, preemptively to go and try and cool the economy down, how does it respond? Because I think that will be really instructive for the RBA uh, in time. So I wrote about that a couple of weeks back, but that to me, I hope the RBNZ can do it because it means they feel confident enough to go and start normalising things and the world is hopefully getting back to a, you know, something of normality. But uh, it'll give us a nice little cider as to potentially what we could be looking at here. So the RBA, I'm sure, has got its, uh, its notepad out, jotting down a few, a few things that's to come. Yeah, to I don't know. He's an endless starve, it seems, our mate Philip Lowe. So I'm not sure. I'm sure he'll be listening, but uh, I think he's got got it in his mind that these rates are staying low for the, for the longevity. Dr. Lowe wants him low for eternity. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look, I, I kind of hope he... Because at the moment, uh, he's on track to be the first RBA governor to never hike interest rates. Oh, really? Yeah, so uh, he'll be setting a, a record of sorts. Maybe that's what he's going for. Well, maybe. Look, a few ECB governors have, <laughs> have come and gone <laughs> and not been able to go and tighten policy. Trichet, I uh, know <laughs> with his little policy era back in the early 2010s, uh, certainly set the course of, uh, for Monsieur Draghi, uh, who, of course, never got the ability to go and tighten policy settings. From an interest rate perspective, maybe uh, Christine Lagarde will have some greater success. But, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see, uh, see what happens when it comes at RBNZ on, uh, on Wednesday. 
say. We also hear from, uh, we've got some data out of China, which is well. I think we'll get a lot of attention after that move on Friday from the PBOC, the GDP and uh, monthly activity readings coming on Thursday. Much my experience is that uh, it's always the monthly activity readings that really get much more attention from the market side of the things because it's a nearer term aspect as to how the economy is performing. Yeah, it's interesting that story um, talking of China. Everyone's still talking about this steady story, the fact that the Chinese government have strangled basically what it's doing in the US since its IPO. It's not the only company that's been strangled post-IPO in the US. So we had a couple of people on the show today, James Whelan from VFS Group and Edison Pan from Saxo Markets, just saying how there's there's an investable opportunity here where you move away from US IPOs, they maybe move to Hong Kong. Um, And you see that shift now when it comes to Chinese top tech and where they IPO, where they raise their money and how investors work with them going forward. Yeah, it's interesting. Kathy Jung from uh, Fidelity International was on the program in the uh, the three o'clock show with me. And uh, she was saying that uh, the restrictions, you know, that that how tight it is for uh, for IPOs in Hong Kong means that uh, it's not necessarily going to be as easy as some people suspect. But uh, it is fascinating. It seems that the uh, the PBOC and the Chinese authorities are certainly looking for that data play and uh, and keeping really close contact. I saw some of the uh, cybersecurity and data-orientated companies in China today just the share price is going bananas on the back of that news. So change the goalposts, change your investment thesis perhaps. Yeah, exactly. Well, US, let's talk US. We're going into earnings season and it's the banks first up. Anything that you're expecting there? It's just... It's going to be all of it, all as expected, I think, isn't it? All priced in. Yeah, they'll all beat because that seems to be the item modus operandi. So uh, no, no pledge conservatively and uh, and then deliver strongly and uh, the market uh, laps it up. But I find that the banks tend to go and set the tone very early on. So you, it's very difficult to go and sustain that excitement about beats because they're just coming here, there and everywhere. The analysts tend to go and be very conservative with their estimates. Uh, you expect the bad debt charters to be coming off the uh, pretty strongly given the uh, the economy's opening up. Uh, margins, you know, we know that they love steeper yield curves, particularly in the states uh, where they go and borrow short and lend long. Uh, they love steeper curves, so I'm sure that would have helped as well. On the trading side of things as well, we know that uh, Goldman's and J.P. Morgan and Morgan Stanley and Co. very big components when it comes to the corporate earnings. Uh, and look, the, just the sheer number of IPOs and the SPAC attack that we're seeing at the moment SPAC as well. Uh, you can imagine some of the investment banks have benefited from that uh, quite substantially but we'll see what the week brings look it's going to be a chocker one so we don't want to go and spoil it too much let's go and leave some surprises for later in the week Cara it's a pleasure as always and uh, look forward to doing it tomorrow thanks sounds good we'll see you then